if you will, grab Questions for Study, Word of Knowledge, Part 1. Now, you're going to notice something here, and it needs explanation. On Questions for Study, Word of Knowledge, Part 1, let's just dive into it, and I'll point it out to you. Number one, if someone is speaking by the right Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, then what he says will exalt what? The name of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, it says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing that boggled me about that passage, boggled my mind about that passage of Scripture is, come to find out in the history of the early church, you remember when, when the apostles came along and they started preaching the gospel, every now and then they have to stop, turn around, and cast demons out of somebody. And it would upset some of the people in the crowd because they were merchants and they made money off of the demon-possessed people. Do you remember those stories, all right? Well, evidently, some of these people would wind up in church and act like they were being used by the gifts of the Spirit of God and call Jesus accursed. Well, that one's pretty easy to pick out. You know what I'm saying? If someone stands up in church and says Jesus is accursed, we, we know better than that, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, just checking, just checking, all right. Number two, what are the three revelation gifts? Now, this is where it starts getting tricky. Notice there's no passages of Scripture listed there for that. What are the three power gifts? No passages of Scripture listed there. What are the three utterance or inspirational gifts? No passages of Scripture listed there. But we've been spending the last six weeks going over different places in the Old Testament and the New Testament where we see the gifts of the Spirit of God in operation and I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I call this spiritual common sense. You've got three revelation gifts. Three gifts that reveal something from God. Three revelation gifts. Do you, you know, do I really need, I, there is no passage of Scripture that says these are three revelation gifts. But if you look at what they do in the Bible, they reveal something, right? A word of wisdom. What's the difference between a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge? The difference is the word of knowledge is about something that's going on right now or happened in the past. But only in the wisdom of God is the future known. So if uh, someone says, thus saith the Lord, and something comes out of the mouth like, prepare yourself, there's going to be a plague. Well, going to be a plague, then it's word of wisdom. It's about the future, right? Prepare for a plague or prepare for famine or whatever, right? And then uh, the revelation gifts are the discerning of spirits. We're going to not spend a great deal of time on that today. But have you ever needed to know the difference between whether a spirit was causing something or it wasn't causing something? Well, that, that's revelation knowledge, right? So those are revelation gifts. You find out something you did not know from the Holy Ghost. Now, that's not hard, right? And then what are the three power gifts? Now, you remember when Jesus was walking and, and he was thronged by people and a little lady said, I know if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, right? And she did touch the hem of his garment and all those people thronging around her. Now, Jesus knew that he'd been touched. He knew that it says in the, whatever verse you read, someone will say virtue flowed out of him and what, what that word better translated as power flowed out of him. He knew it. Someone had touched him with faith, right? And power had, had flowed out of him, right? 
So you've got the power gifts. Number three, what are the power gifts? The gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. Man, we're going to have fun with those. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you've got this long prayer list and you go over and you pray over the prayer list. Next thing you know, the phone rings and someone's on the end saying, I just got touched by God. Well, I just got through praying for you. That sort of thing happens, right? And, and those, that's the power of God being manifest. And, and isn't it, you know? But, but it's like most of the other gifts. It's like all the other gifts. How many of you have ever been guilty like me in my youth? God told me something. And it came to pass. And Ruthie said, you said that was going to come to pass. I said, man, I just wish I could make it happen all the time. I mean, you know, wouldn't it, it would be kind of different if you could call on the gifts of the Spirit of God and they just did their thing whenever you wanted it. That's not what the Word says. The Word says that the gifts of the Spirit of God use you. You don't use them, right? But you have the three power gifts, gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. And then number four, what are the three utterance or inspirational gifts? Well, they're wor- they're, they're, you involve words. You've got to say something, right? Now, have I done is, I, here's the danger in, in, in doing anything like this is, man, I don't want to stand before God in heaven, him be scolding me or getting on to me or lining me up with the goats because I added something to the word. I don't want to be guilty of that. But I'm telling you that looking at it this way, all you got to do is look at the Bible. When the gifts of the Spirit of God are moving, and you know that three of them are revelation gifts, three of them are power gifts, and three of them are utterance or vocal gifts. Now, are, are it, you know, what have I told you from two years ago when I stood in this pulpit and told you and talked to you about being your pastor, right? What did I tell you? Eat the meat and spit out the bones. There's not a single pastor out there that has all the answers. Amen? If you're not comfortable with it, it's your, your, your right, your privilege. I'm not going to be upset with you, right? Um, why do we do these things, though? Why do we group these? Why do we define them when you have already seen that all of the gifts of the Spirit of God overlap at one time or another? You know, we've got examples we read in the Bible where a word of knowledge was coming out, and all of a sudden it shifted to a word of wisdom. All by, at the same, you know, one flowed right into the other. But we separate them so we can get them kind of, we know what we're hearing and we know what we see when we see it. All right? Am I going slow enough? Am I, am I getting it across to you? All right. Number five says, what does the simple gift of prophecy bring? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, it says in the English Standard Version, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now, what, what, what I want to get across to you is, let's, let's get it right. Why was a prophet a prophet in the Old Testament to start with? And why was a prophet a prophet in the New Testament to begin with? Because they were being used by the gifts of the Spirit of God. Now, what we did was, because they were prophets and they opened their mouths and spoke, we called them prophets because they, we called it Old Testament-style prophesying. When in reality, were they not being used by God, by the Holy Ghost, in a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge? Because of the office they filled. I think it's not time that the children of God get in the word of God, find out what it really says, and start getting some things straight, and start talking like, we know what God's doing here, we know what God's teaching, we know what God's saying, and let's get it right, all right? 
Is it so terrible? Am I mad? No, I'm not mad. I'm not upset with people. I mean, my grandmama taught me some of this stuff. And I love grandma. You know what I'm saying? But I've looked into the Word of God, like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I can tell you that the number one mentioned apostles, man, you know what was one of the marks of the apostles? The Holy Ghost marked them by using them in all of the gifts. All of them. All of them. I'll tell you, there are, there's, a, there's prophets in your life today. Some of you just don't know it. Um, why are there seemingly more prophets in, in this world today than apostles? Um, one of the reasons why is one of the marks of the apostles is that they see Christ face to face. Not many people today fill the office of the apostle because not many people today could someone today see Christ face to face? Yeah. Say, well, how? Uh, he died on the cross. Who do you think Paul saw? Who do you think stood before Paul and gave him two-thirds of the New Testament? It's why Paul could say, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ because he had seen Jesus face to face after the death and the resurrection. So can there, if the Bible says that God's given gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, can there be apostles today? You better believe it. Number one and number two, you'll see more manifestations of apostles and prophets the closer we get to the return of Christ. Now, now you can eat that if you want to. You can spit it out. You can forget it or whatever. But I'm telling you, the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more of these genuine articles you're going to see. All right. I, I don't know why this is this, this just come from my heart. I can't I can't, you know, scripture and verse this. But all I know is that the apostles were apostles because the Holy Spirit of God used them. Uh, I mean, in all of the gifts, prophets, a little behind that evangelists, a little behind that. One of the greatest evangelists I knew in my life. I've told you the story. I'm not going to bore you with it again. But the evangelist John Wesley Fletcher, I told you about him. Uh, he walked under a heavier anointing than anyone I'd ever stood next to in my life. And because he did not handle it well, things did not go well. In the end, he lost his life in prison. He was a drug addict. Um, a drug addict, died in prison. Um, he was arrested by the police and sent to prison. That night, he was wearing a pink fur coat and a pink top hat, and he was selling drugs in a gay bar. And he said, oh, Brother Dennis, you shouldn't throw. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm telling you where the man was. I'm telling you what he was doing. And 10 years earlier than that, I stood next to him when he prayed for my little lady, something your grandma, and then she fell on the floor, raised her hands, prayed for 45 minutes. We carted her out of there. The next morning, we took Grandma McKinney to the hospital for her cancer surgery, and they sent her home with her. She didn't have cancer. And that man that God used died 10 years later in prison as a drug addict after being arrested in a gay bar selling drugs. Why? I, I've told you the progression. He reached a point where when the Holy Ghost got quiet, he wouldn't shut up. Do you understand how dangerous it is to open your mouth and say, thus saith the Lord, when God ain't saying nothing? If I, if I scare you with that good, if you're frightened by that, that's probably pretty healthy for you. But look, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to, if the Holy Ghost is speaking to you, it's different. 
It's just like I told you about that time I walked in the Pentecostal church and someone stood up and started talking in tongues and I'd never, I didn't know anything about it. And then someone over here stood up and started talking in English and started talking about God's love for his children. That's all, that's all it was about. God reminding everyone in the room of God's love for his children. Now, is that a word of knowledge? No. Is it a word of wisdom? No. It's just God talking about being God. You know, by the power of his spirit and talking about, and everyone in the room, tears started flowing. Why? Because it was the real thing. Simple gift of tongues and interpretation. Because it says in the word of God, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Prophecy is equal to tongues and interpretation in the New Testament. We call it the simple gift of prophecy. It's where someone stands up, and the difference between tongues and interpretation is, skip the tongues, somebody stands up, says, thus saith the Lord, and, and starts saying something that everyone in the room can feel it in here, that it's the Holy Ghost speaking, you know, through them. And, and it's edification, it's uplifting, and it's consoling. Has nothing to do with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. But when a person stands up like that and starts speaking, can God speak through that person a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom? Yes, they can. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to tell you we're giving definition to these things so we know what's going on around us, all right? So, okay. Well, praise God. Uh, so, we got through that one. Grab your study questions, word of knowledge, part two, answer sheet. We'll get through these answer sheets today if we don't do anything else. Why? Because it's going to answer a lot of questions. Question number one was, to whom was the epistle of 1 Corinthians written? I read a scholar one time that tried to convince people that it was written a letter to one person. I could not read anything to be further from the truth. It was written to the entire church, the church of that day and us. Amen. And now why do we, why do we look at that? Because uh, 1 Corinthians is all about the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. Number two, why was Paul telling the entire church to covet or desire spiritual gifts? Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, because as the entire body of believers covets them, the Holy Spirit will divide the gifts of the Spirit to every man severally as he wills. That's where I get the, the phrase from, the Holy Spirit and his gifts will use you, you don't use them. All right? Number four, how will the word of knowledge sometimes be manifest? Word of knowledge will sometimes be manifest through a vision. We read that in the Bible, right? A word of knowledge will sometimes be manifest through a vision. It can come through a dream. It can come through a message from an angel or through the gift even of prophecy. Well, I was just referring to that. Someone stands up and starts talking in English. You might say, oh, it's prophecy. No, he just said something's going to happen next week or whatever. We just got a, we got a word of wisdom. Am I confusing you? Is it okay? Are we, are we following all right with this? All right? I, I hope so. Uh, number five, list uh, two Old Testament examples of how the gift of a word of knowledge was manifested. Samuel, regarding Saul's donkeys in 1 Samuel chapter 9. When Saul showed up, Samuel told him, don't worry about the donkeys. We know where the donkeys are. So there, there you had it, a word of knowledge about where the donkeys were. Did the prophet go to where the donkeys were? No. But do you think the donkeys were where the prophet said they were? Yes, they were. All right? So that's 1 Samuel chapter 9. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 10, when it came time for Saul to be anointed king over Israel, what did he do? He hid. Instead of them forming search parties, the prophet 
asked the Holy Ghost, asked God, and God revealed to him where he was hiding in the stuff. That's a word of knowledge, right? He's hiding in the stuff. And he followed the lead in the Spirit, and they found the tallest man in all of Israel hiding in the stuff. Isn't that amazing? All right, number six, list two examples of the word of knowledge in the New Testament. In dealing with the woman at the well in Samaria, recorded in John chapter 4, Jesus operated in the word of knowledge to convince a sinner of the need for a Savior. He said, go get your husband. She said, oh, I'm not married. You remember? He said, you're right that you're not married. You've been married this many number of times, and the guy you're with now, you're not married to him. And then her IQ leaped, and she said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Isn't that amazing how when God speaks to us, we get intelligent? <laughs> we all of a sudden get intelligent. Well, that, that, that was, oh, he knew that because he was the son of God. No, the same way that you would know if the Holy Ghost spoke to you. Why? Because Jesus was setting examples for us. He was all about setting examples for us. You, and you, you can't find that hard to believe. You know what? The last three years of his life, I call him Jesus, was out there doing all that Jesus stuff. For three solid years, man, he was out there doing those things, Right? How could he say to us, being the Son of God, greater things will you do than I'm doing here? Uh, how will you do it? Except by the Holy Ghost. If we could only get this straight in our hearts and minds and ask God to take away all the uh, traps the devil tries to set for us. Ego is the worst. The worst of them. Human nature. Amen? All right. So... Uh, in Acts chapter 5, we read that Ananias, oh, by the way, I was saying that Jesus for three years did all those, um, all those Jesus things. You know what he did for the first 30 years? Everything that you do except sin. He went to school. He learned a trade from his father. He learned to be a carpenter, did he not? He went to church with his family. Do you understand what I'm saying? He did the things we do. He lived and, and he lived all of them in a way to set an example for us. So you get my drift there, all right? So when he said, greater things will you do, what, did he, what was he saying to us? Because of the Holy Ghost, amen? We just get it right. Uh, then in Acts chapter 5, we read that Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the church and to the Holy Ghost. And we know what happened to them. That's another thing that will make you a little nervous. Lying to the Holy Ghost or lying about the Holy Ghost. And Jesus himself said... Say any manner of thing you want about me and I'll forgive you. Say any manner of thing you want about the Father and he'll forgive you. But watch what you say about the Holy Ghost. Now, that, I'm just telling you that. Uh, you, you know, I don't have the scripture reference for it, but I'm telling you this. People going, oh, the Holy Ghost ain't real. That old baptism stuff, it's just junk. It's just... Don't, don't, don't reject the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is the power by which Father uses to draw you to him. So can you see why rejecting the Holy Spirit is not a smart thing to do? Amen? All right. All right, let's move on. Uh, number seven, what is one of the greatest areas where the word of knowledge can be used in effectual prayer, either for God's servants in distress or for those in need of spiritual help? I told you this story. For having a prayer meeting in church every week, many years ago, this journal deal. Um, a man and his wife hadn't seen their daughter in like 18 years, and they said, do you think the Holy Ghost knows where our daughter is if she's alive? Preacher said, sure. So they made it a matter of prayer. And a number of weeks later, number of weeks later, anyway, it led to their daughter being found and brought home. Why? Because it says here 
in effectual prayer. What is one of the greatest areas where word of knowledge can be used in effectual prayer, either for God's servants in distress or for those in need of spiritual help? And God returned a girl that had been captive for many years to her parents safely once they got around to asking God about it. Do you see why the gifts of the Spirit of God are important? Amen? They're important. Number eight, why can the word of knowledge also be used to reveal? When illness of any kind is being caused by demonic forces. Now, I'm not talking about, do you realize that you can, you can have pain in your leg? Doctors can't find out why, and, but a demonic force can be causing that pain. Now, don't get carried away with that. Not everybody who's got a cold is demon-possessed. Amen? But don't you think it would be helpful that if you've been praying for somebody leg and pain for so long, you know, that it might, you might just need to, to talk to the powers of darkness and cast them out in Jesus' name. It doesn't mean they're possessed. It means that a demon's causing the injury. You understand what I'm saying? Let's don't complicate these things. All right? Let's don't make them so dark and sinister that instead of rising up in faith, we, we fall down in fear because we don't know. We don't know the difference, right? Number nine, the revelation that the word of knowledge brings is never future tense. What tense is it? Present or past? Amen? Number ten, what are six things that can happen by the manifestation of the gift of the word of knowledge? Look, I, I gathered all of these up from those journals that preacher wrote. By the manifestation of the gift of the word of God, or word of knowledge, the church can be purified. The distressed comforted, the saints gladdened, lost property recovered, the enemy's plans defeated, and the Lord Jesus Christ glorified. Can you say amen? Mm. So what are the six things that can happen by the manifestation of the gift of the word of God, or word of knowledge? I'm so glad I got these printed and gave them to you. If I was you, I'd put them in a safe place and go refer to them often. Let's go to study questions, word of wisdom, answer sheet, all right? Um, we're going to do this, and all we're going to do is make one last point on the word of wisdom. Number one, the Bible plainly states that, blank, the Holy Spirit divides the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit to everyone severally as he wills, not as me wills. It's he wills, not me, all right? Number two, God has all knowledge and all wisdom. How much does he reveal to man? Well, I like the answer, I said as referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, King James Version. He called it a word. In the, I like that. Didn't do it in the ESV, but that in the King James Version. I like that because it's a word. It's a, it's a fragment of God's knowledge. It's not all of God's knowledge. I just don't think we can handle that. Amen? You know? Okay, so uh, God has all knowledge and all wisdom. How much does he reveal to man? A word. Number three. What is a word of wisdom many times confused with? Um, prophecy, as, as it was identified in the Old Testament. We've already, I'm not going to beat that horse again. Uh, number four, what kind of wisdom is James referred to in James 1, chapter 5? And why do I put this in there? I put it in there because a guy tried to tell me. Well, that's the gift of the Spirit of God, James 1, 5. I said, no, it, no, it's not. He said, any man lack wisdom, ask God who gives liberally. Amen? Ask in faith, right? So what I call that is if anyone lacks wisdom in the affairs of life. How many of you know somebody that every time you turn around is making a stupid decision? Uh, I, I get a little harsh sometimes. 
But if you need wisdom in the affairs of life, ask God. He wants to give it to you. Amen? He won't hold it back. He's not going to go, well, I know I said in the Word that I'd give it to you, but I just don't feel like giving it to you today. No. No, it's you. You found a passage of Scripture. Embrace it. Love the Word of God. Ask God, Father, your Word says that if I lack wisdom, all I need to do is ask you. Well, that's wisdom in the affairs of life. But what is a word of wisdom? Number five, word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan in the mind and will of God. How does it get any better than that? Does it get any better than that? I don't think it does. Number six, what can, a, what can be a vehicle through which other gifts can flow? Anytime that someone stands up in the church, just pay it. If they stand up in the church and say, thus says the Lord, pay attention to what they're saying. And if they just talk about God's love, God's provision, whatever, and you feel it down in here, you just got prophecy or the same thing as tongues and interpretation. But if they start saying, thus saith um, um, the word of the Lord, you know, if you do not repent, I'm going to give you proof of that. Because listen to me. Sometimes a word of wisdom is conditional. I'm going to prove it to you. Watch with me. All right. Uh, give two examples of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom working together in the New Testament. John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation. And Ananias in Acts. Um, you remember in the book of Revelation, I told you, right in the first chapter, God starts showing in a vision to John the condition of the seven churches in Asia Minor. They existed. And what he was talking about in chapter 1 was that day. So that's a word of knowledge. But later in the vision, he begins to reveal the future of those churches. So it changes from a word of knowledge to a word of wisdom. Is that so difficult? It's not, is it? That's pretty easy, right? Okay. So uh, in, in Revelation, uh, John in a vision uh, learns about the present day condition of the seven churches in Asia Minor and then later finds out about the future. And then we have uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul for behold he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him. And you know the story. Number eight, give two examples of a word of wisdom in the Old Testament. Word of wisdom uh, to Noah in Genesis chapter 8 verse uh, 15. All you got to know is verse 15 says, Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your uh, sons, wives with you. Genesis 8, 15 and 16. 17 says, Bring out with you every living thing that is with you uh, of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast. And it goes on and you have the story of God uh, revealing to Noah that there's going to be a flood. That's a word of wisdom, Right? Well, what about Jonah? Jonah chapter 1, right out of the chute. The first few words coming out of the mouth of the writer in Jonah was God speaking to Jonah about the future of Nineveh. And that's a whole other story. Jonah didn't want to go and preach the gospel because he knew they might repent. And he wanted them to 
burn, drown, freeze, whatever. Get buried because they were so cruel to his family, right? Number nine, give two examples of a word of wisdom in the New Testament to Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light, and we know that story, right? And the Lord said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. All right? So there you have word of wisdom. Uh, number 10, some manifestations of the word of wisdom are conditional. What do they depend upon? Well, now you have what we're going to close with. We're going to close with this. Sometimes a word of wisdom is conditional. I'm going to prove it to you. All right. I'm going to get to the most pertinent part I can. All right. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. 2 Kings chapter 20, 1 through 6. The Holy Ghost had come to the prophet and gave him a word for the king. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, and you shall not recover. Now, that's a word of wisdom, right? You're, you're going to die. You're not going to recover from this, right? Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back. Say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So wasn't that a conditional word? What made the difference? Judgment was being, was being pronounced by a, a word of wisdom. And then he repented and a new word of wisdom was given by God. All right. So can a word of wisdom be conditional? Wasn't the whole story about Jonah. He said, if you don't repent, judgment's coming to your city. And God's going to kill you all. I'm paraphrasing, right? But they repented and God changes, changed his word over the city, did he not? So are, can a word of wisdom be conditional? All right then. What about um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 30 through 32? You know, you can go through the Bible and you can find out it's appointed unto man wants to die. Right? You know, God knows the time, right? But what do we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30 and 32? If you don't do communion correctly, you can place yourself in danger of dying before your time. But if you do what the Word of God says, there's the potential for healing, uh, not, not, not dying, being healed, miracles. Amen? All right, now I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to pray, because we've gone long enough. All right? In those journals, and I got to talk to this preacher about this, in this lifetime. I mean, I've, 
I've heard all there is about the journals that you can hear. In the assemblies of God, I can, I, I can say this about them because I was there. I was an ordained assembly of God minister. Let me tell you what we were good at. We were good at being known for when we left the church, what we left behind at the church, that's what we were known by. At Atlantic Beach Assembly of God, every time you parked at the church, say, that's the, that's the parking lot Pastor Dennis built. Now, I wasn't comfortable with that because I didn't build that parking lot. As a matter of fact, a contractor who uh, knew us and didn't go to our church came by one day and said, I want to build you a parking lot. Um, you need a parking lot. I want to come in with my paving equipment. I want to, I want to pave your parking lot. He said, I just, I want to uh, make up for my life with God. I, I want to, um, you know, help repair things. I said, then forget about the parking lot. Just forget about the parking lot. You don't have to pave my parking lot at the church to get right with God. You don't need to do it. We can pray together now. And I said, listen to me. Um, you, you, he said, you don't want your parking lot paved? I said, look, I... Compared to where I want you to end up, no, I'd rather park on the dirt, right? But we prayed together, and uh, I, he knew very clearly he could not earn any points with God by paving our parking lot. But he ended up paving our parking lot, right? Well, then that parking lot became known. Uh, that parking lot and the fellowship hall, Pastor Dennis built those things, and I didn't build either one of them. I just happened to be there. I can't hardly drive a nail straight. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Well, in the Assemblies of God, it was huge there for many years to build a great big sanctuary. And then you wanted all of your brothers in Christ to come look at it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To come look at what, what we built here. Say it seats thousands, you know. And this man said, um, I got my heart broken. He said, I, I was invited by a friend to come see his church. We walked through the church, looked at it, seat thousands of people way back in the 60s. I seat thousands. You understand? That's a big church, right? And the guy proudly showed him all around the complex, you know. And he said, well, that's nice. He said, I went out and got my car and I went to leave. And I started praying for the man and the Holy Ghost rose up on the inside of me. He said, I went back in and I told him, here's what God said. God told me to tell you, number one, he said, you need to watch what you eat. He said, God told me to tell you, you need to watch what you eat. The man weighed 450 pounds. He did everything that was slow. I mean, he ate a lot, right? Extremely unhealthy. Could barely walk around that new church with this pastor, friend. He said, you, you need to change your eating habits. God says you're going to die. God said, you're killing yourself. You need to stop that. And the second thing God told me, and isn't, isn't that conditional? Stop eating the way you're eating or you're going to die. Number two, he said, you need to change the way you're starting to think about money. Because the way you think about money now, God said, is dangerous. So in that conditional, part one, mind what you eat. This, and this was a word from God for that pastor. Don't be superimposing this stuff on yourself. I'm trying to teach you that a word of wisdom can be conditional. First, watch what you eat. Second, 
Change the way you feel about money because you're getting into dangerous areas about money. And third of all, you need to change the way you treat your brothers in Christ. Because what used to happen, because, you know, you go into these meetings, and I'd get real quiet and I'd watch. And you have missionaries there, and you'd have pastors there and all, and everybody was jockeying for position. You hear what I'm saying? They're jockeying for position. And it's stanching the nostrils of God. But some of the guys, I remember a guy named, uh, well, I won't mention his name, pastor of a church in Florida, and uh, he was on a presbytery meeting. I just had a son that was born with a tracheoesophageal fistula, and we went hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And I got discouraged. I got depressed. I was 19 years old. I didn't fill out my credential renewal forms. So then I get a call from the presbytery, the board of ordained ministers over me. Can you come to Lakeland, Florida, district office? We want to talk to you. I said, yeah. So Ruthie said, what do they want to talk to you about? I said, they want to talk to me about my credentials. <laughs> I didn't fill the paperwork out. I didn't renew my credentials. And so I got down there. And between the time they called and made the appointment, the time I got there, everything changed. I just knew God was going to take care of everything. And, and if they were going to let me, I'd renew my credentials. So we got this board in there, and, and so they asked me why, why, we're curious, why you haven't filled out your paperwork. I said, because I didn't feel like it. I was discouraged. And I told him the story of my young son. He was still in the natal intensive care at the tune of $2,500 a day, right? None of that changed except in here. God told me, don't, don't sweat it, don't worry about it, right? So one of those ordained ministers over me in that room said, well, are you still discouraged? And every one of those board members looked at him like, what in the world are you doing? You know, I said, no, sir, I'm not. And the district superintendent spoke up and told this other guy, you need to be quiet. And he told me, he said, Brother Dennis, we, you know we called you here tonight to scold you. We called you here tonight to straighten you out. And you have fixed that. Thank you. He said, we're going to pray for you. And they prayed for me. And he said, your credentials are renewed. Don't worry about it. Go home and sleep. Right? This one of those pastors that was a presbyter spoke up and said, you know what? We're about to finish this meeting. He said, we brought this kid up here to chew him out and fix him. He's broken. He said, I'm about to go out of this meeting, get in my Lincoln Continental and drive home to my church. He said, I ain't going to do it. He said, we need to help this kid, and I'll put up the first, I forget what it was, $2,500, I don't remember. But it was the kind of money numbers that when you're 19 years old and you're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, it is a million bucks. And over the next 18 months, all of those pastors in that room sent me and Ruthie money to help us. You see what I'm saying? So, I'm telling you that in the ministry, you got associations, fellowships, and, you know, ministers hang out together. You don't know what kind of mess they're in. You think, oh, you think that the ordained ministers, they're, they're sharp, they're cool, they're, no, you need to be praying for them. You need to be praying for me every day. Because I've seen all that junk, and I don't want nothing to do with it. And I don't ever want to get caught up in that again. Amen? So anyway, enough said about all that. Sylvia, would you come play the piano for me? I just want to, it 
take, take a couple minutes here to close up. Um, I counted an honor and a privilege to be, uh, we're, leave, we're leaving out a little early. I like that, earlier than last week. Um, it's an honor and a privilege for me to teach you about the things of the Holy Ghost. Are you learning anything? Okay, it's important that we learn this stuff. It's important that we stop misrepresenting. You know, because God's showing us some things, and we know some things, and, and we're going to know what the Holy Ghost, we'll see it, we'll go, I know what that is. I know that's a word of wisdom. That, they just laid out a, 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 not a word from God about the future. That's a word of wisdom, right? Anyway. Or a word of knowledge, or simple tongues and interpretation, or prophecy. Amen? Isn't it just good to have the Holy Ghost show up and talk about the goodness of God for His children? That's generally what tongues and interpretation reveals, or, or simple gift of prophecy reveals. God's love for us. And His magnificence, and His holiness, and His righteousness are revealed through those gifts. And when you're seeing the genuine and the real, you know it down deep inside. It's undeniable. The church is returning to that. We're getting ready. Amen? You know what? We're not going to argue about, we're not going to argue about things like being filled with the Holy Ghost, overflowing, praying in tongues. I already told you. I personally believe it's important. Why? Because I'm a spirit-filled believer. I love to pray in tongues, you know. I, I will tell you, though, that I caught myself, I found myself in a situation where, and I wasn't the only one, where we were not praying in tongues like we used to. And God wants to bring a revival of that, all right? But nowhere is it required. Nowhere is it demanded. Don't let the devil beat you up. Don't beat yourself up over it, all right? I don't care who you are, whether you got the Holy Ghost when you got saved, because everyone gets that measure of the Holy Ghost when they get saved, and it's not a different Holy Ghost that comes later to fill you to overflowing. It's the same Holy Ghost. All right? So it's not something you're unfamiliar with. He's already taken up residence within you. All right? So when it says covet the best gifts, it doesn't say you spirit-filled to overflowing, tongue-talking Christians covet the best gifts, desire the best gifts. It just says to the children of God, desire, covet, the best gifts. So let's stop putting God in a box, all right? I'm going to tell you that it's something special about being filled with the Spirit to overflow and praying in tongues. It kind of positions you up easier and it takes the teeth out of the devil's mouth who tries to come to you and tell you, you, you don't have the Holy Ghost the way that person does, so you can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't do that. Let's stop that, amen? Now, I want to pray for me. I want to pray for you about the Holy Ghost. If you want to be a part of this prayer, rise up. Let's go to God in prayer. These altars are open. If you want to spend time talking to God about matters and things, we can close the service out with you at the altar. It doesn't matter. We'll go fellowship out there in the, in the lobby. If it's time for you to fellowship, you want to fellowship, and God's not saying anything to you that He wants to deal with, go fellowship. Amen? Father, we love you so very much. I want to thank you, Lord. What a beautiful sound of a piano in my ears, Lord. I, I just love the music that you've given us, Father, in this church. Father, I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit and his gifts. We desire the best gifts, Father, because it benefits the entire body. 
Doesn't have to be me you use, Lord. Just use somebody. I pray in Jesus' name. Do not let us be bereft or without the gifts of the Spirit in our midst, Father. But even now, I believe you're preparing hearts. You're preparing minds, Father. You're preparing people to be conduits for the Holy Ghost to flow through. Mm. Father, we just ask in Jesus' name that you continue to open us up and pour your word into us. Holy Spirit, continue to teach us about you and your gifts. Father, thank you that we need to learn to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit even to keep us from sin that so easily besets us. We want to live lives that are pleasing to you for your glory. Always to be available, ready, Lord, at any time to be used by move of the gifts of your Spirit. Mm. Manifest yourself in your power in our presence. I pray in Jesus' name. Save the lost, Lord. Continue to use the power of the Holy Spirit to draw the lost to you. Heal the sick, Father. Set free the oppressed and possessed, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for being such a great and loving Father. In Christ's name we pray and praise. And everybody said amen and amen. Fellowship together or spend time around the altar or however you want to end this service with God. We're here to pray with you should you desire prayer.